Matt Plapp is a man I greatly admire and a mentor of mine. I'm really excited to introduce you to him today if you don't already know who he is. He's the founder and CEO of Restaurant Marketing that Works, America's Best Restaurants, host of many podcasts, including one of my favorites, Restaurant Marketing Secrets. He recently authored a book called The RGA Guide for Restaurant Owners, which we'll touch on, I'm sure. Yep. He's an author of numerous other books and is also now the CEO of a software company he newly acquired called Repeat Returns. Today, I'm excited to uncover Matt's blueprint to the ultimate restaurant marketing machine and ask Matt questions I've wanted to ask him for a long time. Welcome to Guest Getter, the best place for restaurant tours to learn the art and science of getting more new guests, getting guests coming back more often, getting guests spending more per visit so that you can be more profitable and do more of what you love. My name's Kyle Guilfoyle. Let's hit it. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm loving it, man. Like that intro right there. I'm going to have you come with me whenever I, I go to events and have you do the stage announcement. Yeah, I'll, I'll be your hype man. How's Canada? Canada is, it's good. It's starting to get brisk, chilly. So I'm really excited to, to head down to Miami next week where we'll both be there for the seven figure agency mastermind. Are you excited? Yeah. Can't wait. Need some sunshine. Awesome. I would love to break this podcast essentially down into two parts. One is I would love for a restaurant owner to listen to this and walk away with essentially their own blueprint for their own marketing machine and they can take it and implement it however they want. So that's part one. And then part two is just honestly a laundry list of totally random questions. And I just love to like rapid fire, ask you those questions. Does that sound good to you? Bring it on. Let's make it rain. All right. Awesome. Well, let's start hitting restaurant owners, uh, close to the wallet first. And I would love for you to break down when you walk into a restaurant or you're talking to a restaurant owner who's new to you. What are the, the top three places restaurants losing money the most today that we could make a few small tweaks and start helping them stop the bleeding tomorrow? The first place I see restaurants losing money, or I'll say just losing the opportunity for money on their marketing is in-store marketing. Mm. I eat out 15 to 20 times per week. We don't cook at our house, maybe occasionally a Pop-Tart or a DiGiorno, but for the most part, we're in restaurants every day, multiple times a day. Not one time in the past six months have I walked into a restaurant and somebody in that restaurant engaged me in a unique manner to get my information. If I've already made the effort, decide I'm going to go to your restaurant, either get directions if I'm brand new or just take the route that I go if I go all the time, walk inside the four walls, order food, give you money and sit down. I am the most valuable person that your customer, your restaurant could ever have. And yet, 9.9 out of 10 times, restaurants ignore that customer. All they ask is, hey, how you doing? Thanks for coming today. What can I get? You need to have an engaging conversation that moves you in a path of getting that customer to give you their name, their phone number, their email, their birthday. And it just doesn't happen. And it's a shame. And the one excuse I hear from restaurants, all oh, my point of sale does that. I have toast. And when they put their credit card in, it's a little different than if I – assume your information from somewhere else. Or if I ask you a question, like you walk in, let's say I'm going to Kyle's brewery and I walk in and Kyle goes, Matt, thanks for coming, brother. By the way, got the growler. It's filled with money. We're doing a contest. Scan this QR code. Tell us how much you think is in here. Somebody's going to win 500 bucks this month. Mm -hmm. holy, holy shit. That's awesome. And the customer, do me a favor, pull your phone out, scan it. 
We had a customer that did this last month up in north of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, had an event called Apple Fest. And we were talking about it. And he said, it's a madhouse. Like 100,000 people come to the city over a couple of weeks. I said, great. I want you to put a sign out front. I want you to put marketing on your social media. I want your team to know that whenever people walk in and scan this QR code, they get a chance to win 500 bucks. He had 1,200 people in a week scan the code and give information. So that's the big mistake I see is restaurants aren't leveraging the people walking in their four walls to grow their database and grow their sales. Absolutely. And I'd be curious. So when I, the, the first areas I think of inside the four walls, like it blows my mind that there aren't table talkers. There's not like a basic sandwich board. And then the staff aren't encouraged to, you know, at the point of sale or when they lay down the bill, make some kind of an offer or invitation for a next visit. What are there some other obvious spots that, that restaurants are missing when it comes to in, inside the four walls? The biggest spot is the employee. Yeah. And I saw this myself. I worked at rapid fired pizza for three months fourth quarter, two years ago. Mm -hmm. And when I did it, I was amazed because I hear the excuses. Oh, Matt, I can't get my employees to talk to customers and get them to scan the QR code or to join the program or do this or that. I saw two big things that proved that was complete bullshit. Number one, and I worked at the restaurant. There are three to four hours. I'm watching employees go through very strict processes. Hey, why do you weigh the cheese like that? That's what we do. Why do you put new gloves on every time? That's what we do. Why did you wash your hands, come back from the bathroom? That's what we do. I told the client, I'm like, Michael, make this part of what they do. Like I watched these employees. They're 16 year old kids that are specifically building a pizza and managing that process. Why can't the process be added of how to properly engage and market the customer? Restaurants need to get out of the world of thinking they are there for food. They are there to market and sell. Mm -hmm. Because if you have the greatest food ever, the greatest location ever, but you suck at marketing and selling, it doesn't matter. And that's a huge element. The other part of it is they, when they do in-store marketing, they don't train on how it's used and then they don't change it often enough. Things become stagnant. I was in a restaurant, what was this, two weeks ago. It's near my house, near our office right now. Their cookie display they have hanging from, it's hanging from the ceiling of a motorcycle. I hung it seven years ago. They were a client of ours. My friend owns a restaurant locally before we went nationwide. I remember going in there, climbing a ladder, taking the little wrapping paper string you use for presents, tying it around this thing, motorcycle and hanging the big cookie dessert on there. That sign has been there for seven freaking years. Now, number one, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for being a badass sign hanger. But how many people have already ignored that? And so we need to change it up a lot. But the biggest part is training of usage. So mm -hmm. I'm standing at the register. I'm making the pizza. The young man comes down the comes down the line, goes to pay for the pizza, and I hear the guy say, uh, "Hey, you want? I want to scan the QR code. What's it do? You get something? I'm not real sure. No, I'm good. Customer paid, got done. I say, man, can, I, can you do me a favor? Yeah, can we switch? Can I be that next time? I want to give you an, an idea on how to get somebody to scan the QR code. Man, that would be great. Nobody ever scans it. Person comes down. I go, hey, I noticed you didn't get a dessert pizza. Have you ever had our dessert pizza? No, I didn't know you had them. Yeah, right there. Hey, by the way." You want one free for your next visit, right? Yeah, cool. Do me a favor. Scan that QR code. Here, go ahead and scan it for me. I'll show you how to do this. Yeah, cool. There it is. Answer these five questions. Boom, boom. Great. Now you're registered. In a couple hours, you're going to get an offer for a dessert pizza. I want you to ask me when you come in and get it next time because I want your feedback on how awesome it is. Mm -hmm. Every customer I had did that with scanned the damn QR code. And the kid looked at me. He's like, my gosh, that's unbelievable. Of course. And the problem was he was never trained. The owners mm -hmm. brought in the printing, taped it to the counter and said, hey, man, 
they scan that it, it goes to this place they put some stuff and they get something and so it was just implementation and that's a huge element that you've got to have people inside your four walls like just like they have to wash their hands they should have to talk to the customers in an engaged manner it would not take a whole lot for a business every month they have something relevant to their business if you're a brewery have a damn growler and every mm -hmm. month they have a contest we're giving away the amount of money that's in here one month it's 200 one month it's a thousand one month it's 500 bucks whatever comment and this is another thing it's a tactic into social media if you mm -hmm. use facebook and like messenger correctly you can get data that way hey man scan the qr code go to facebook comment on the contest it's pinned to the top of our page yeah there's the post oh i think there's 40 bucks in there boom mm -hmm. And so in-store is the big opportunity. You mentioned what are the top three. The second one to me, and this isn't self-serving, I promise, but it's the fact that too many restaurant owners are trying to do the marketing on their own. I just bought, you mentioned, we just bought repeat returns. We just bought a software company. Mm -hmm. I hired somebody to do a code audit. I hired an attorney that cost a lot of money to do all mm -hmm. the documentation and two months of paperwork. I had hired an accountant to do a financial audit. And then I had two other outside people that I hired to look at other aspects. We got together and we bought this company. It was a three, three and a half, four month process. Mm -hmm. I didn't just go, Hey, yeah, this looks pretty cool. The code looks cool. That looks good. The financial seemed to match up. That's what restaurants do with marketing. You're a restaurant. You know how to make badass pizza, awesome steaks, great desserts. You do not know how to run Facebook ads. You do not know how to do emails. And what I'm curious, like, why do you think it is that so many of them think it's it's not just it's not another section of the business that requires expertise and guidance like why do you think it is that they default to just being like oh I'll, I'll do it or maybe i'll get J jimmy on the team i'll pay him like 15 bucks an hour like what do you think is behind that because restaurant tours are the most they're the most aggressive and hardest working entrepreneurs i've ever seen uh, i agree and so the mindset of all of us including myself is we can do it all mm -hmm. Matt Plapp, a long time ago, did my own accounting. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll never forget this. I had a, a company, $125 a month. She would balance all of our books every month. My accountant would get it, go on its way. The gym, the CrossFit gym that I owned, we bought out one of our partners. He was in charge of the books for the gym. When we bought him out and he went on his way, I took over the books. I'm like, oh, this shit's easy. Like, this is cake. And of course, in my infinite wisdom, I let the $125 a month, $125 a month, like, think about that. I let her go. My accountant calls me up about two months later and goes, hey, why are the books not up to date? Oh, I'm doing it myself now. What happened to, to Lisa? I'm like, I, I let her go. I'm not doing it. She's taking all other people. I didn't need her. Are you an idiot? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, one, you're two months behind now. She was never behind. Two, she's better at it. Three, you should be running your marketing company, not playing bookkeeper and QuickBooks. Yeah. And sure enough, six months later, I realized that I went back to her. She was already full. And so I had to go hire somebody else for 500 bucks a month. I believe it's not necessarily restaurant owners and gen specifically it's entrepreneurs. Yeah. We all, when we start a business have to do a lot of stuff. And so we all fool ourselves that we should be doing it. And it, it takes a big slap in the face sometimes to realize we're not good at it. And the problem with marketing is that the perception, a lot of these brands have made it easy to actually do in a bad way. Like Facebook, I was speaking at mini chats conference back in 2018. I think it was. And this lady was there from Facebook and she mentioned the biggest mistake they made was the boost button. Mm -hmm. I said, what do you mean? It makes the ads easy. It's pretty simple. She goes, that's the problem. Every moron that has a Facebook account in a business 
can click the boost button now. And they can go on there, put $25, spend it. Doesn't mean they know how to advertise. They boosted the wrong post. They boosted a post with no call to action, no good message, no good graphics. And they mm -hmm. spent that 25 bucks and said, oh, that didn't work. Facebook ads suck. She's like, Matt, the, we created that to make it easy. And we accidentally exposed something to businesses they shouldn't be messing with. I mean, how, can you, like me and you, like, can we just go put a, a radio commercial on the radio? No. You talk to a person at the radio station. They analyze what you're doing. They help produce the commercial. They mm -hmm. put it through their system, make sure it's, there's a lot of steps. I used to work in radio, mm -hmm. but Facebook, Google, email, constant contact, any moron can open a constant contact account. I think they're still around. We'll go MailChimp. I know they are. Anybody mm -hmm. can own one of those accounts, open those accounts, put customers information in there and send out random gibberish. We as business owners have to understand what we're built to do. A restaurant owner is built to lead his company. Leading his company should be leading from the front and saying, look, we're going to have you doing cooking, you doing dishes, you doing the hostess, you doing the marketing, and have you doing the taxes. So I think that's probably the biggest problem. The second biggest problem I see is they're all attempting to do it yourself. And I'll give you one quick story on it, wrap this part up. Awesome. Had a restaurant owner of ours who's a great guy, a client of ours for a couple of years. And this was July of COVID. So it was July of 2020, went to see him out in, where he's at in the Midwest. And he had run a Facebook ad that was literally one of the worst ads I've ever seen in my life. It was an ad with a woman like in a, a French maid outfit. And it said, hey, don't worry about doing the dishes tonight, ladies. We're going to take care of you. Click here to order this. And I was like, one, like my wife would punch you. Yeah. Like that's bizarre. Two, the graphic is terrible. Three, there's no call to action. And I said, you spent how much on this? He goes, I spent $171. And so we looked at it. He spent $171. We looked at a comparable ad that my team had created for him. The exact same reach, engagements, impressions, everything my team got for $10. So this wow. guy not only created a shitty ad campaign, but he spent $160 more than he needed to because he's not an expert on Facebook ads. And that was, it was comical when we, when I pointed this out to him and it, you couldn't have timed it better that I flew into town when he just done this and I'm like, dude, who created this ad? Tell me that wasn't my team. He said, Oh, I did it, man. Let me show you how I did it. But he looked at it and he goes, wow. So if I were to do that once a month, I would waste five to $600 a month on ads that if your team did it, which they were paying us to do, which is even funnier, uh, then I wouldn't waste that money. I'm like, no. And so there is an expertise, just like restaurants have great pizza, great steaks, great burgers. And Matt Plapp can't make any of that. Like depend on experts to get you expert results. Yeah, to totally. And as a segue on that note, I'd love to go back to this idea of a machine where let's say we're speaking with a super growth oriented restaurant owner. They have one location and they want to potentially scale it to many or, or even just three really well. And we know, and we've touched on some of this a little bit already, but we know Jay Abraham's three, three ways to grow any business, which is one, get more new guests two get past guests back more often, or three, get guest spending more per visit. And let's say we've had David Scott Peters in there. He's made sure all the operations are nice and tight and their profitability is really good. But now it's time to add fuel to the fire. I would love it if, if you could just riff a little bit first on what are the best ways you know of today in 2023 to let's start with just getting more new guests. So guest acquisition, what would you say? Paid Facebook and Instagram ads. Okay. 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 I, before I forget, I really, I want, so one of my questions, this is one on my laundry list questions, which was you, I've heard you say that you, most restaurant restaurants don't need to bother with 
any other ad platform other than Facebook and Instagram. And I'd love to hear a bit more about uh, why that is. And then we'll, we'll expound on that. It's simple. I mean, look at me, for example, I live in Union, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. I'm married. Facebook knows that I have kids. Facebook knows that I go to a crap load of restaurants on a weekly basis. Facebook knows that mm -hmm. if I'm a restaurant, if I'm strong's brick oven pizza in Union, Kentucky, all I need to do is identify who is going to spend the most money here. Number one, I know it's going to be adults. I know they're going to have kids and they're going to live within a mile or two of my restaurant because people aren't driving from Florence that often the union. So the platform of being able to get on there and say, hey, I want to reach married couples, men and women that live in 41091 that have one or more kids. I don't know what else you could go after. When I worked in radio advertising, one of my first books I wrote that I never published was called Create Your Own Radio Station. Mm -hmm. And the concept, the premise behind it was that in the 2020s and beyond, you have the ability to have an audience as an independent restaurant bigger than a radio station. Because if I look at Cincinnati, 700 WLW, they're going to tell you they reach quarter million people every year, every week. In reality, they reach about 15,000 people every 15 minutes. It's called average quarter hour. So let's imagine I'm Strong's Brick Oven Pizza in Union, Kentucky. And I can reach those 15,000 people every 15 minutes for 200 bucks. Mm -hmm. What good does it do to reach when 15,900 of those people are not in Union, Kentucky? They're 45 minutes away. And mm -hmm. you look at TV, same way. Cable, the same way. Direct mail is a good medium from a standpoint of targeting. But who the hell opens their mail? Like I went through today, literally, went through the mail, got out a couple checks because we still have a couple clients pay with check. And then I got the bills. And I threw away these three direct. I didn't look at them. And so when I say it's the most powerful, it is you can target. So insane. Like I we had a client of ours a while back that did a Walking Dead promotion. Mm -hmm. And they did real well with it. So I said, okay, cool. Let's go to Facebook. Three miles of the restaurant. Men and women this age that like Walking Dead. That There's like all the different characters had their own character pages. We were targeting like 900 people. And the, the place blew up because guess what? Facebook sees that and the algorithm goes, oh shit, Matt stopped on this ad. Matt also lives in that area or so-and-so lives in the same area as Matt. And they also follow this and they're that age bracket. The machine does it for you. So it's the best platform. And I don't think it's going to be beaten by anything in the next two to three years. Yeah, I, I agree for the most part. I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on Google ads as another, you know, like way to reach people who are in market, who are searching, who ha have high intent and they're in the area. Any thoughts on Google ads? I've never Googled search where to eat at most times. I don't know about you, but like I travel a lot. And when the mm -hmm. average consumer doesn't travel that much, the, the person, the people eating at restaurants every day, I'm not going to say that Google is not a place to be. I don't think that people have exhausted the Facebook budget to get to the Google budget. Like you mm -hmm. can, I've got a client right now spending four grand a month for one location on Facebook ads, four grand for one location. And it's about the highest he's going to get. He's getting, Customer opt-ins at about a buck fifty to two dollar a pop. He's getting twenty percent of those people to walk in the restaurant within a month, and he's doing twenty grand in sales off of those people. So he's getting a great ROI. I think the spend's a little too high. I wanted to tweak it a little, and we're working on that. But most restaurants can't spend deep enough to get to Google. And I look at it from this standpoint: I eat out a lot. I travel a lot. I was just in Vegas. I didn't look up where to eat at. I already had. I'm already predisposed to places I want to eat. And I was reached on social media by other places. I've not seen proof that mass that mass amounts of customers are on Google going, 
Google, where should I eat? Like right now, Kyle, where do you live at? What city? I'm right now. I'm in London, Ontario. Okay. So do you know the restaurants within two or three miles of where you, that you live that you like to eat at? So when you're hungry, you think of where do I want to go? Yeah, exactly. It for me, it'd be like in, if I'm in a new city tra traveling, yeah. I, I I absolutely will search like best restaurants near me, that kind of thing. And I don't and I don't disagree with you there. Here's the thing, and I don't know about Canada, but in America, can, most consumers don't travel out of their area. I saw a stat the other day that forty like forty four percent of Americans have never left their state. That's a great point. And then if you take it outside of it, I got a lot of friends of mine that don't leave the city very. They go on vacation once or twice a year, mm -hmm. and so. I would rather market to the masses versus the minority. And in this case, I don't believe that there's that many people leaving their areas going to look for it. And then let's say you do find that person on Google and they're here, like they're in Cincinnati, they're in downtown, they're there for Procter and Gamble. Mm -hmm. They're, they're only here for a short time. You might get them once they're gone. And you can also reach those people on paid Facebook. Facebook ads will target people who are in the area right now. And mm. I, I'd, I'd almost rather reach that person when they're on the toilet Wasting five minutes, scrolling on Facebook, and it's hey, want an awesome burrito? Come see us. To yeah, totally. Okay, all right. So Facebook and Instagram ads—that's our best source of getting new customers. What would you recommend folks put in those ads? Hardcore call to actions. Yes. Right here, mm -hmm. Alex Ramosi's book, hundred million dollar offers. The very bottom: How to make offers so good people feel stupid saying no to. Restaurants don't appreciate the lifetime value of a customer, and I say that because I hear it a lot. That if I owned a restaurant and I was looking to get somebody in my door, let's say I own a steak restaurant. Like I'm going to get steaks tomorrow night at a place called Walt Teaching Post. If I owned that restaurant and I had capacity in certain times, I would run marketing to a very specific audience and say, hey, click here to get a free steak. No strings attached. Come enjoy a free steak on us in exchange for your name, phone number, email, and your visit frequency and your birthday. So I'd have all these questions. How often do you come to our restaurant? I've never been. You're a new customer. What's your email? What's your phone number? People are going to give it to you to get the free steak. And somebody like, oh, Matt, it's a $40 steak. My food cost is 15 bucks. I'm like, okay. What happens when Matt comes back 20 times in the next two years? And you have no acquisition cost with those next 19 visits. On the front end, offer people something so insanely good, they would feel like a moron for not coming in. We had a client of ours, Chris Chase, place called MST Pub and Grill in Tiffin, Ohio. And this one's like a perfect example of marketing 101. He has sees a customer in his restaurant. And like all restaurant owners, he remembers that review. That a year earlier, that guy had given him a one-star review and said, I'm not happy with the new menu prices and they've eliminated seating. I think I'm not going to come back anymore. I'm not happy. One star. Guy had been coming to the restaurant for years. Those two things pushed him over the edge. He gave him a one star, didn't come back. Mm -hmm. Chris, I'm in the restaurant, walked over. Hey, Jim, great to see you, man. I appreciate you coming in. What brings you in today? He goes, I got to be honest, Chris. I haven't been back in a year. Oh, you hadn't? I, I didn't think I'd seen you. And Chris knew. He's, I knew who the guy was. I knew the review. I was still mad over it. And he's, what brings you back? I saw your free burger offer on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And who the hell can pass up a free burger? And I figured it was time to give you guys another shot. I'm sorry I haven't been here the last year. I'll be back from now on. I love, I'm, I love this place. The next thing Chris did, which was genius. So number one, he put an offer in front of a person who used to come. There's three customers. You mentioned earlier, the three ways to increase your business is new visits, which can come from current new customers or lost customers, increased frequency of visit, and increased spend inside the restaurant. There's three types of customers, new, lost, and frequent. That was a lost customer, somebody that had stopped coming to the restaurant that he got back with an offer that the guy felt stupid saying no to. 
the genius that Chris did next, I did a podcast on this the other day on the Restaurant Marketing Secrets podcast. He went back to that guy's review from a year ago and commented, hey, man, it was great to see you back in the restaurant. The guy replied back and then changed his one-star review to a five-star. To me, that's a huge opportunity. And to go back a little on the Google thing, I'm not saying that Google ads don't work. We have clients and we are running ads for clients on Google. Mm -hmm. I just don't think enough restaurants exhaust the opportunity that exists on Facebook or Instagram to move on to the next bridge. Yeah, it's like they all go an inch in, an inch deep and a mile wide. And they just scratch the surface of all these platforms. I heard, Yeah, I had a, heard a guy named Brad Martineau from Sixth Division at a marketing mm -hmm. conference years ago, show of graph and an analogy. And it hit home with me because I live on, I live near the Ohio River in Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati. And I felt like he was speaking to me, but he said, hey, you got a river near you. You got a body of water and you build a bridge 20 feet across. It's a hundred feet to get it across. And you build it 20 feet, but then you stop and you build another one 20, then another yeah. one 20, another one 20. Mm -hmm. Now you're never crossing the damn water. Whereas if you build that bridge across, dominate, have that bridge running, and then go to the next one. I, that's what I think why I preach so heavily for Facebook and Instagram ads. Trust me, we don't make any money off it. Like I, I had a guy the other day because we, we have six figures a month being spent on Facebook ads for our clients. And he says, is there a kickback? I'm like, no, there's no kickback. There's no commission. The clients pay directly to them. They work. I'm actually going to do a case study right now. Uh, video, our average restaurant that we work with was at 490. I'm looking at the chart over here because we're doing a video in a minute. 490 new contacts a month. $3,000 in net profit from 126 visits. Right now, it's like 30% of those customers are brand new, 30% are lost, and then 40% are repeating customers. So $527 to get 490 people's information to drive throughs in net profit is the average result. That's all in Facebook ads. Like, how could you not keep doing that? Yeah, oh, 100%. I have, I have a couple of follow-up questions. But first, I'd love to touch base on the question that I'm sure you've been asked a million times, which is how do restaurant owners come up with what their budget ought to be? Your budget for your marketing depends on a few things. Number one, you have to look at your occupancy cost. I was at a restaurant the other day in downtown Cincinnati that is in a very prime area. Their rent is 90% of their marketing. Shaheen from my team, who's a 28-year restaurant vet that works as a marketing specialist here, was talking to a restaurant yesterday that wants to hire us to market his restaurants inside of this food hall that he's in. And Shaheen said, that's a bad idea. What do you mean? You're paying to be in the food hall. That's their job. Your advertising is your occupancy cost. And that's the first question you got to ask yourself. And you got to look at that your restaurant, where it's located, like Strong's Brick Oven Pizza in Union, Kentucky, has very low occupancy costs. They're not, there's nothing there where they're at that they've overpaid for to get massive traffic. In that case, let's just say you're the average restaurant that doesn't have that. Mm -hmm. It depends on what you want to do. If you want to grow, you should be spending seven to 10% of your sales on marketing. If you want to be with the market and you'd be five to seven, if you want to shrink under five, because think about the inflation aspect. Yeah. If you're spending two to 3% on your marketing, you're not keeping up with what's out there. And at the same time, if you spend more, let's say you spend eight to 10%, your competitors are spending zero to 2%. I actually had a restaurant email me yesterday, replied to one of our emails that we have go out that said, I'll stick to not advertising like I've done for the last 80 years. No, I'll stick to no paid advertising like I've not done for the last 80 years. I'm like, so that makes you smarter than McDonald's, Procter & Gamble, Coke, Pepsi. Okay, because last time I checked, Chipotle, the number one brand down here in the country, Chick-fil-A, 
are advertising with paid marketing dollars every single day. Mm -hmm. So you should, if you want to grow, you should be in that five to seven at the lowest. But at the same time, you've got to know what you're spending it on and if it's working. So for owners like that, I'm curious if you think, if they think that they're smarter than those guys or if they're actually just complacent. I don't know the answer to that. I think a lot of it's arrogance. And what mm -hmm. I've seen personally is those are typically second or third generation restaurant owners that are riding daddy's coattail. Yeah, you know, I won't mention the restaurant, but I had a restaurant I talked to recently at an event. And you would have to be a moron to screw up what this family has built. That It's been a legacy restaurant for 40 years. It's in a market that's a smaller community, amazing product, amazing. Everything at the restaurant is a 10 on a scale of one to 10. So they're riding the former glory mm -hmm. and at some point that's going to run out because guess what my 21 year old daughter in five years has no clue what the hell your restaurant was 20 years ago and so it will catch up so i've typically seen people that say to me i don't do paid advertising i'm just like that either shows me you're a moron or you don't understand marketing because mm -hmm. if mcdonald's is advertising on a daily basis nobody i don't have any clients i'm sure you don't kyle that have stronger brands than mcdonald's and they spend money Every day, there was a study, this was about 15 years ago that I read in the trade magazine. They had just gotten a brand new marketing director. He came in and he stopped all controllable advertising for 24 hours. Radio, TV, digital billboards, stopped all over 24 hours. Because his comment was, I want to know what I'm working with here. This is the golden arches. How in the hell is radio influencing McDonald's sales? That doesn't matter, right? 28% down the next day. Wow, that's 20, super interesting. So McDonald's, the most recognizable food brand I would imagine in the world, there's probably aliens in Mars that know about McDonald's, mm -hmm. stopped advertising and saw a decline. People need to be reminded. Yep. Your wife needs to be reminded that you love her. Your kids mm -hmm. need to be reminded that you love them. Your favorite customers need to be reminded the smiles and the satisfaction they have at your restaurant. If you do not advertise, you lose those opportunities. And more importantly, you give somebody else the opportunity to woo away your customers. 100%. Yeah. And I'd love to move back to, we're talking about the tip of the screw with advertising here. I'd love to move over to offers a little bit. And I found, I found the best offers tend to be something completely for free or a buy one, get one works really well, never a discount. And, and I'm curious if that lines up with your experience and if there are other offers that you see perform. So when I look at offers, I look at a couple of things and Tom on my team said this a while back and I loved it. He looked at this client of ours, gave us his suggestions for what he wanted to advertise. And Tom said, you just gave me homework. The guy said, what? I'm doing homework to figure out what the hell I get here. Like buy two entrees with a large Coke and get a free cookie. <laughs> so spend $25 and get X. Make yeah. it easy. Make it really yes. easy. And But you have to look at, back to your original comment, there's three ways to increase sales. New visits, repeat frequency of visits, and then inside the restaurant. So what I look at is, okay, if I'm going to get a new customer to walk in here, I have to do whatever it is possible to get them. And that's a free item. If you can go free big time. Now, you got to also realize the reason BOGOs work and don't work sometimes is that it encourages somebody to bring something, somebody with them. We had a promotion running one time for one of our clients. It was going average. It was a buy one, get one uh, large pizza, which seems like an okay promotion. But then Ashley, my team's like, Matt, all, my husband and I would have no use for two large pizzas. 
So this offer eliminates us. We don't eat one large pizza. And that's where we realize, like, man, you're right. So you've got to look at your database or your customer audience and say, okay, we're trying to, let's say, new customers. What's going to get them in here? So have a variety. Free pizza, free calzone, free appetizer. Whatever you can do free. Because people get addicted to discounts. They don't get addicted to free. I walked into Panera Bread about a year ago. And I have one near my house. I go to it probably weekly. And I'm obviously always in orange. They recognize me. And I walked in the one day and the lady sees me walking and goes, here you go, Matt. And I go, what? She's like, here's your cup. It's free today. Seriously? Yeah. I'm like, thank you. How come? She goes, because we appreciate your support. I'm like, oh, thank you. So I got my free coffee. I don't walk in there every time now going, Suzanne, I'm your guy. But if every time I walked in, I got a 20% discount or I knew it was there, I would start to expect it. So I have a belief in resources shows the fact that consumers become addicted to discounts. They don't become addicted to free. The free is a perk. Mm -hmm. The other aspect is try to give things that make people choose something they wouldn't have chose before. So the software company we just bought, Repeat Returns, 15 years in business, 700 plus restaurants, amazing product. One of the things they have in there is they have triggers that when somebody spends, let's say $20, five times in a row, you can set up a trigger to send them a specific offer that will force them to spend 30 mm. because we're trying to get the average checkup. And the idea is, hey, this person always spends 20. Let's give them an excuse to spend 30 or let's give them something for free to visit, like visit 25, a free dessert cookie, dessert pizza. And all of a sudden they get that free dessert pizza and it's nine bucks. Well, their next order, it's non-negotiable. They're getting the dessert pizza. And there's, the proof shows that this customer that spent 20 bucks for six months and then got this free perk on something they'd never ordered that normally cost nine bucks. Now all of a sudden their next visit, they spent 29. I went to Barleycorns last night and I got wings, but I also ordered a, a thing of Saratoga chips. It's one of their appetizers. Mm -hmm. I've only ordered it because I've had them before. Now, before I, two or three years ago, when I got those for free one time, I would have only ordered wings, but now I dropped another seven bucks. And so, an incentive for a free offer to make me want to spend more in the future. Yes, I agree. And I would love to, I would love to riddle you with some objections that I'm, again, I'm sure you've gotten a million times. I've gotten many times as well. And the, the first one is literally, I have a, a client, great client, and we, we were running, a, we are running a free soup offer for them. And it just, it just crushed it. But two months in, he was just like, I'm not giving food away. He's, he's mad at me. He's I'm, no one's getting any free food from me. And let me lace in a couple others here. So I'm, I'm not giving free food away. I don't want to attract the type of clientele that goes for free. And I've recently gotten, I don't see the value in free. And so I'd, I'd love to hear how you'd handle those. You got to look at what you're giving away and why. Mm -hmm. Number one, the audience, let's say the audience, because people say, oh, I don't want the person that gets free. I'll take free. I think any one of those restaurant owners, if you said, hey, I'm going to give my marketing services for a month for free, hell yeah. Oh, you're that customer? We all will take free. Yes. And you've got to have it tied to a give relationship. It's got to be you give me data, I give you something for free. So number one, it's an advertising cost. It's not a food cost. I hear that a lot. My food cost, I mean, your food cost shouldn't be impacted at all because if you give away 100 appetizers that your cost was $2 on, that's $2,000 this month that should hit your P&L as a marketing expense for customer acquisition. It is not a, you're not discounting your food. 
Mm-hmm. So that's a big problem. The aspect to look at how you look at that a little differently is that you're trying to get Matt's visit number 20, 30, and 40. If you're worried about the first visit, you've already lost. 100%. Because yeah. if you give me a free appetizer and I come into your restaurant and I get my perceived value $10 free app, which actually only cost you $3, and then I go on to order $20 in food, number one, you just won. Number two, when I come back the next time because you gave me great food, great service, and a great atmosphere, and then you leveraged my data that I gave you for that item to invite me back, the second visit, you're full boat. The third visit, third visit's full boat. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand that free item is what you have to do in order to get somebody into your restaurant. It's just, it is what it is. And here's another aspect of it. We did a case study with a brand called Quaker Steak and Lube. It's back around 2015. The GM kept saying, Matt, the people who come in with the free offer are cheap asses. They're our worst customers. They get their free app and a water and they leave. And I go, oh, is that so? He goes, yeah. I go, that's interesting you say that because you remember the last month we did the A-B test. Yeah. And so the A-B test shows exactly the opposite. The Every 100 people that redeemed the free appetizer with purchase saw 130 people redeem the free appetizer with no strings attached. Of the people who redeemed the free appetizer with no strings attached, 5% spent below $10. And I went ahead and just said, anybody below $10 didn't buy anything. So if you get 130 customers and 8 to 10 of them walk in and get the free app, the water, and that's it, that means you just got 20 more people in your restaurant with the free offer. So the perception that people get a free appetizer and walk in and get the free app and a water and leave is complete bullshit. What happens is we only remember that. We don't remember the 100 positive five-star reviews on Google. We remember the one guy who gave us the one star a year ago because of seating and food prices. You don't remember, I, I, I guarantee you, I went to Chris and said, hey, Chris, the guy I told you earlier, give me 20 people that left positive reviews last year. Wouldn't have them. Give me the five people that you're pissed at that left a bad review. He would know all five by name. And so we remember the guy that came in the orange shirt, sat at the bar, got a free order of cheese sticks and water and left and tipped a dollar. We don't remember the 95 people that walked in, got two beers, a second appetizer, two steaks, and a dessert and tipped 30%. Yeah, we love to focus on the negative. I remember this was right after we we first met when you honestly like you cha- changed my whole my life my trajectory because you showed me what was possible i really wanted to help restaurants but i didn't like i loved marketing and i i knew that they could really use the help but i just i didn't think they valued it or they like had the resources for it and then i met you and i i saw that it was possible and uh, and and you taught me a lot but i remember the first offer i ran was for the restaurant i was bartending at it was it was a buy one get one burger and and then it was a few months later and i'd left and i got this really angry phone call on a friday night saying God, we had 15 tables come in for the buy one get one tonight and uh, you know those tables could have been full like fully paying customers and guests and they're so mad they wanted to turn the whole thing off and i at the time i didn't really know how to navigate that because and i, I felt bad i was like oh could have been 15 full paying guests. But then over time, I realized it's not a transactional thing where it's just that one visit. It's about getting them in there. So they come back and again and again. And and most bartenders and servers have no idea. They probably never even heard of the concept of lifetime value. And how do you go about training team, like team members and, and the staff who are boots on the ground? They have to understand the vision. Mm-hmm. Hey, 
we've launched a program to give customers a free appetizer. It's two pronged. Number one, the free appetizer is meant to drive new people in here. The first visit, we plan on losing money on them. The goal is for you to wow them and make them want to come back 20 more times. And yeah. for the servers, it's a no brainer. People, when they get that free item, they tip more. Like me personally, when I have an offer somewhere that I go in and it's a $40 check and I have a $10 off because I got free appetizer, I give the 10 bucks back to the server almost every time, assuming it's good service. So you have to explain that to these people, but you also have to explain to them, it's also a way to reward our current customers and introduce them to something else. Because average check, people tip off of their check in the States. Sure, it's the same in Canada. That when I spend a hundred bucks, I look in my mind, $20. If it was an amazing service, 30 bucks. If it was freaking unbelievable, like a guy in Chicago that walked down the street, brought me a milkshake back because their milkshake machine was broken. That dude got a hundred bucks on a hundred dollar check. Yeah. So we tip off of the amount of the bill. If we can get our customers to buy desserts and appetizers, and that increases the check by 10 or $20, you're going to get two or $3 more tip. So number one, that's why you should sell desserts. But two, that's why you should be happy when somebody brings this free promo in. Because number one, it should tell you we know who they are. That is Matt Plapp. This is his email. This is his birthday. This is his phone number. He's never been here before. It also gives us a chance to get that person that's already been in here. Number one, we have their info now. And number two, we can get them to try something they hadn't tried before so they spend more money in the future. But it just comes down to ownership of the program on the front end. We had yeah. the same questions. We've had hundreds of clients that have come and gone over the years. We've been in business since 08 that didn't agree with our philosophy. I'm not giving away something free. I'm like, why? Would you rather spend, I had a client that was spending $6,000 a month on advertising, just advertising. So mm -hmm. you're not giving away free food, but you're giving away six grand to a radio station. I would rather put six grand in food in my customers' pockets so that they can be rewarded and come back more often. Yeah, what I'll often say is it always costs you something to get a guest in through the doors, like every single time, like you either spend in ads or you spend in time and effort to be maybe prolific on social, or you spend a little bit in your cost of goods or which you just taught me could be essentially diverted to your, to an advertising expense. And I always vote for paying in some of the product because that ensures that they actually taste it and try it and engage with it. And that's the thing that builds the brand and gets them to come back. It isn't the ads will get them through the door, but it's actually trying the product that gets them to be loyal. I, so something else I've encountered a couple of times, less, less and less as I get better at communicating with owners. And that is that a couple of times it's happened where we've run a successful offer for months and then at a certain point, they'll just be like, we don't want to run offers anymore. We just don't, we don't want to. And, or like, we want to take a break. And I'd be really curious how I'm sure you've had similar things come up. And even if it's going and they're like, it's almost like they're, it's fatigued within the, within the, the organization yeah. or in the trenches. And so now I'll rotate offers and give it new wrapping paper, but I'm, I'm curious how you navigate that. Our clients are brought on with the mindset that over the next 12 to 18 months of working with us. We're going to build an eight prong marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. One of those eight prongs is going to be a VIP program of some sorts. Mm -hmm. And that might change what we do with the offers every quarter, or every six months, whatever. If it's working, we're not touching anything. Because the goal on our end with that acquisition program is to bring in about 500 new people into the database every month. If it's, if that, I've got a client right now who's been on the same program for four years. Since the fall of 2019, they've been running the same pizza promo in a town of 60,000 people.
it still works because we're spending enough to get 500 people a month and 500 people a month. It just constantly refreshes. And it's, it just comes down to you indoctrinating people into the thought process. And one of our biggest mistakes we made early on was taking on clients that are those January 1st people that join gyms, people that join gyms January 1st, aren't around January 21st. And they sure as hell aren't thinking about fitness in March. The restaurant owners that we bring into our world that are fatigued by offers in two or three months are the ones that we're looking for marketing for the wrong reasons. We want restaurants to understand. Just like you don't gain 100 pounds of fat in one year, you're not going to, if you do gain it in five or 10 years, it's going to take you five or 10 years to lose it. Like your restaurant didn't start sucking at sales and marketing in one year. It started sucking in, at sales and marketing in 10 years. So plan on getting in the trenches for two to three years to build a brand that on autopilot drives in new people, drives back current people, and finds people that haven't been in a while. And so offers are just a way of it. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know why anybody gets fatigued. I used to tell my employees at our boat dealership, when somebody walked in with a gift certificate, that was more valuable than cash. Because that more times than not meant we were a first-time visit. Mm-hmm. And that's the people we want to impress. And if it wasn't a first-time visit, it was a loyal customer. And if it wasn't a loyal customer, it was an infrequent customer with a bonus that we have a chance to prove to. So at the end of the day, it's no different. And it just comes down to us, me and you, bringing on the right people, growth-oriented restaurants Mm -hmm. that understand there's a a method to the madness. And then they have to communicate that to their team so the team understands it and say, hey, this is why we're doing this. This is the game plan. The more people that bring this in, the better. Because that's more opportunities. And the part that I love the most to wrap that up is if you do a buy one, get one free burger, there's a good chance that other person that came with them wasn't coming anyways. We see it all the time. I was at a restaurant in Houston, Texas last year. I went and we did some in-person training. I went around personally to all the tables. And with the people who were redeeming the offer, I asked them, how many times you come to the restaurant? And 40% of the people I talked to in this restaurant at a lunch, the other person that was there had never been to the restaurant. And I'm like, okay, Mr. Customer, there's 40 people I just talked to. And of the 40, half of them, 20, the person with them, 10 people had never been to the restaurant. I would say it's well worth a buy one, get one free burger or a free appetizer or a free dessert to get those 10 people because it's not those 10 people's one visit. It's their 20 visits a year. I mean, do the math on it. Like, look what it takes to increase sales. If you get 600 people a year to come to the restaurant six more times, that's 3,600 visits. Mm-hmm. It's six figures when you look at your average restaurant. So would I give away a free burger if I owned a restaurant to get six figures more in net profit? Hell yeah. For sure. hundred percent. Matt, I, what I'm thinking, I really want to be respectful of your time. I think maybe we do the follow-up for, you know, how to get repeat visits and then how to increase average check. Another time, I'd love to close off if you're open to it. I'd, I'd love if you could just give the audience a, like an overview of what those eight prongs are that they should be looking at. Are you open to that? Yeah. Let me, awesome. so I don't mess these up. Let me open my screen and look at it because we've got it. I got them all on here, but you know what? I don't, I'm not in the sales process of our business much, but our, it's, what I wanted to try and do is I looked at a couple years ago, what really drives the needle? And the the misconception today is that driving the needle is sending emails and texts all the time, right? And making Facebook posts all the time that are self-serve at the restaurant. So my goal was to understand why some of our clients had really good results with our acquisition methods. And some of our clients had terrible results. 
And what it came back to was the restaurants that had the best results with our acquisition program were the ones that were doing a lot of other stuff. And those other things that is what we built this eight around. So the first and, mo first and most important thing that your restaurant has to do is collect data in store and online. So our number one thing that we preach is customer acquisition, your website, your social media, and inside your four walls and your four walls extends to your community. You better have a call to action and a digital process on autopilot, collect customer data every month. Our average client gets 500 to 700 people a month that openly give them their name, their visit frequency, their email, their phone, or their birthday. Number two, you have to have social media that has engagement. Give yourself a good laugh. Go to Papa John's Facebook page. Seven million followers. On a daily basis, they'll have 100 to 200 people engage. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but if you do a couple hundred people out of seven million, that is terrible engagement. So you have to have excuses for people to engage in your restaurant on social media. That's why this growler promotion exists. Imagine the power that if you walked around once or twice a week to every table, hell, what if you did it every day and you engaged your customers with an excuse to go to Facebook? Hey, we're looking for pictures of your pups. It's national dog week. Scan this code, go to Facebook, comment on our picture, post with a picture of your pup. Guess how much is in the growler? Go on here and tell Mary happy birthday, whatever. Some way to get engagement on your social media. Because I have a, a theme I like to use inside our client teaching. You have to meet your customers where they are and why they are there. Mm -hmm. Your customers currently are on their phones, email, text, social media. People use their phones for two things, communicating and consumption. More times than not, they're consuming content on social media. Kyle, you and I don't go to Facebook to look at pictures of restaurants. We go on Facebook to argue about sports, to have fun times, to support friends, to, have, to do trivia, whatever, to have fun. So the third part is video marketing. This to me is the differentiator of a restaurant owner versus a chain brand. Chipotle, nobody in that restaurant's ever going to go on Facebook Live and do a video about the local high school football team winning the state championship. But you as an independent restaurant owner can do that. And you are the face of your brand. So video marketing inside the restaurant, I call it the you effect. You need to be on camera. You need to get your team story out there and you need to get your food story out there. Too much, too many times restaurants use video only to market their food. Walk around the restaurant and ask your employees, hey, what high school did you go to? Went to this one, went to this one. Just have fun with it. So different ways mm -hmm. to use video. Catering and birthday program. One of our clients does this. We have a lot of clients do it, but one of our clients does it unbelievable. Louis Waffle House outside of Chicago, the birthday program. He calls mm -hmm. his clients that have our customers at birthdays every week. He mm -hmm. then walks up, him and his team, and they hand deliver a birthday gift to the table that's wrapped. They get a t-shirt. The other day, he filmed this to market the birthday experience and how people can join the birthday program. The lady in the video goes, hey, you called me the other day. That's mm -hmm. gold. The fifth Amazing. part is what I call a top customer bonus program. And it's, uh, it's worded wrong, but we do it on purpose. It's you have people that are in your loyalty, in your app, in your VIP program, do something to reward them. But at the same time, look into that database and find the people that haven't been in a while, that stopped coming in, that told you when they opted in in step one that I'm a brand new customer but never redeemed an offer. So it's bonus customer programs. What can you do to drive business to people that are in your database? The sixth one is community outreach and events. If you're a local restaurant 
Support the people that support you. Go to the band events. Go to the high school football games. Go to the Chamber of Commerce. Go to the other ribbon cuttings of businesses around you. We have a couple of clients that are adamant. They go to the, they, they follow the chamber and they go to every ribbon cutting in their area. You know why? Those businesses are going to order food. And then they yep. use that as content on their social media. Hey, guess what? We're down at XYZ car dealership, brand new location just opened up. They're on their Facebook page for a restaurant marketing another local business. Uh, your podcast. Number seven is a podcast. When you make those connections in the community, tell stories. Think about a local restaurant. Probably between the high schools and middle schools, there's easily 50-plus coaches at those schools. Have a different coach in your restaurant, on your phone, on a tripod, and do a Facebook Live every week. That's your podcast. Now you're going to get that supporters of that team, that coach, all those people sharing that content out. And then last but not least, this is that last bridge or the second bridge. You add a social channel. Once you have done all of that and you've integrated all of that into Facebook and Instagram, I kind of view those as one. Mm -hmm. Then you go to TikTok. Then you go to YouTube. Then you go to LinkedIn. If you put all eight of those things in place on a consistent basis, you're gathering new customer data every week. You're getting engagement on your social media. You're doing video marketing. You're doing stuff unique with catering and birthday programs. You're incentivizing your lost top and new customers. You're in the community. You're doing a podcast and you're on TikTok on a consistent basis over a few years. It is impossible for you not to grow your restaurant. Love it. And I think that's an amazing note on which to end. Matt, hey, man, like I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Where should people go to, to connect with you and, and learn more about what you're up to today? MattPlapp.com. M-A-T-P-L-A-P-P.com. My handles for social are on there. We publish everything, the links to America's Best Restaurants and things like that are on there as well. Amazing. Thank you. We'll have to have a follow-up if you're open to it. I would that, love it. I would. Okay, part, man. Thanks so part much. One of two, baby. See you, Kyle. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Guest Getter. I'm your host, Kyle Guilfoyle. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. As always, you can head over to guestgetter.co to check out the resources in this episode's show notes and sign up for our weekly newsletter. That is it for today. We'll see you next time.